Hey there, welcome to Sales and Bound Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Dana, a head of growth at Sales Group, a serial acquirer buying wonderful sales businesses to take them to the next level. And here I chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Blake Hutchinson, CEO of Flippa, the biggest marketplace for buying and selling online businesses. Super excited to have you here, Blake. Thank you very much for having me, Anna. It's uh, it's a pleasure. I can't wait for the chat. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss. I mean, M and A is like the the hottest potato this year and last year. I keep forgetting that it's 2024 already. But uh, before we get there, uh, maybe let's have a quick rundown about your your background because I know you've been in travel space before. How did you land in M and A? Yeah, good, good question and a good way to kick off um, an interesting podcast, I, I guess, about business growth and M&A, obviously. Um, so I've worked in lots of businesses. I think that's probably the best way to start. And there's, there's benefit in that because you get diverse perspective on the way that different business models operate. And so I have spent time in, in the travel industry, both in a publishing context that was at Lonely Planet, which was the world's largest travel guidebook publisher at the time. And then in an e-commerce context at a company called Luxury Escapes, which was uh, the fastest growing company in Australia and um, certainly um, a powerhouse in the flash travel e-com space. But equally, I've also worked across SaaS businesses in the accounting software space at Xero. Um, I've worked in startups and scale-ups and, and obviously now running Flipper, which is a, an M&A marketplace for digital assets around the world. And I think it was that diverse understanding of different business models that ultimately um, made Flipper appealing to me and also made, probably made me appealing to Flipper. And so I would summarise that as saying that um, all businesses do share similarities, right? Most of them, particularly in the startup and scale-up space, are interested in growth. Um, most of them are in the pursuit of new customer acquisition and customer retention. Most of them are trying to figure out how to um, retain or m maintain or grow average transaction value. And most of them are related to building a great staff and team base and building um, you know, repeatable, predictable processes. So I think that regardless of your background in travel or accounting software or M&A, there are similarities. And ultimately, I'm the CEO at Flipper and we recruit M&A experts who assist our marketplace to operate and obviously assist business owners and prospective buyers and investors from all over the world. And so my job is obviously to to build and help to build the world's biggest marketplace for M&A. And obviously I do help from time to time, time um, with respect to participating in the M&A process. And of course, I look after M&A from Flipper's perspective also. Um, but what I love about Flipper is just the dynamic nature of the entrepreneurs that we get to witness on our platform and then learning about their businesses and how they grew their businesses and then ultimately helping them to find a pathway to exit. So that was a really long way of saying um, my pathway comes as a function of diverse experiences. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. It's perfect. Uh, I think I think that's uh, that's really interesting what you said about like learning what uh, what people are doing on the uh, on the platform, how they are selling, who they are selling to, and just using that for for future growth. So, uh, what's going in in M and I mean, twenty twenty three has been so unexpected, unpredictable. Uh, you know, a lot of un uh there so um yeah what has it been for flippa because you know we've seen we've seen it all i mean honestly we've seen people saying you know it's it's all back to business you know the valuations are growing you can you can again get your 40x on on your revenue or you know everyone's low balling and it's not happening anymore it's a you know COVID hangover uh so what has what have you seen? Uh, what is going on in Flipper? Yeah, so before we get into multiples, let's look at the themes a little bit first. So, um, you know, buyers and specifically company buyers are clearly in the business of buying businesses to drive in organic growth and get growth out of their businesses where traditional channels have become more expensive. Um, and then those people looking to exit right now doing so for any number of reasons. And they're probably the same reasons as has existed historically, although in some cases there has been a larger number of venture-backed businesses seeking exits than historically. And that's as a function of um, a bit of a market crunch. These businesses now need a pathway to exit because there's no longer a natural pathway to capital. Um, and or their businesses aren't growing at the speed that they would have expected or have historically experienced. And as a function of that, you know, it's a, it's a good time and the right time for them to pursue liquidity um, and therefore they seek out these pathways to exit. So I think the thematics are related to how buyers consider growing their businesses and why sellers need to now exit. So one is a want and one is a need. And that represents the two sides of the marketplace. Um, as it relates to multiples, I think the arena that Flipper operates in, um, you haven't seen historical valuation inflation. So valuations have remained steady. And they've remained steady because it was never an overvalued asset class to begin with. So Flipper is dealing in, for the most part, sub $10 million revenue businesses and clearly far more sub $1 million businesses than those one to 10 mil. And this as an asset class is becoming more appreciated, but it's still underappreciated. The assets were never overvalued to begin with. So we actually haven't seen a great deal of multiple um, contraction, whereas that's very different to the traditional um, scale up, scale fast, blitz scaling um, <clears throat> mentality and methodology that has been used by VCs, um, to some extent, private equity, and, and then, you know, public market tech stock trading, mm -hmm. where you're obviously got liquidity in the marketplace. So therefore, you get some valuation inflation, you've also got um, a huge number of businesses being invested in on the basis of speculative opportunity long term um, and a maturation of the digital economy. So long story short, our multiples are 
quite similar year on year and across each of the asset types, SaaS, e-com, um, content, and apps, iOS and Android apps for the most part, um, it's a blended 3.5 times multiple. And that's, okay. a multiple, that's a multiple of net profit. And that's actually relatively flat. Interesting. Okay. All right. So it was a fuss over nothing. Uh, okay. So what about 2024? Because like, again, um, a lot of talks about like, hey, maybe 2023 has been a bit early for the whole, like I said, COVID hangover kind of situation, you know, because somebody raised in 2020, 2021. Uh, now, they, they haven't reached their growth or product market fit, or you know they see there's no no more investment coming because investors are again like stalling the deals. Um, so what do you think 2024 is going to bring? Is it going to be like an influx of deals when you know all those companies are going to liquidate or like try to find a buyer that would have the resources to take them to the next level? Or like what's your opinion on that? Yeah, well, VCs all over the world will double down on the stars in their portfolio and they'll exit the dogs in their portfolio. And so the dogs have to find a pathway. It's either shut down or exit through a trade sale. And so as a function of that, a smart founder right now will be setting their business up to either raise capital, obviously where possible. And in the event that they can't raise capital, they will cut costs substantially to extend their runway. And then of course, there's a third scenario, get your business in a strong financial and operational working order and set it up for sale. And we will see more of those than ever before in history in 2024. So that's a good, that's a good news opportunity for buyers out there, but it's a potentially less favorable um, outcome than a lot of founders had anticipated. But let's face it, the failure rates of businesses have not changed that much. And the failure rates of startups have not changed that much. It may have been that the runway you were afforded through multiple raises um, and multiple capital raisings extended the runway of company um, in some cases where it wasn't necessarily deservedly given, uh, but this, the numbers are approximately the same. I think the difference is now there is a, a better education among business owners of the opportunity to exit. And so we should see more of them actually exit than shut down. But founders need to be conscious of what that means for them, because there's going to be less money on the table, particularly where they've gone through a series A, series B, or, you know, in some cases, series C, and there's multiple um, shareholders on the cap table have preferred options or preferred stock, you know, they're going to face, those founders are going to face a really, really hairy time out there. So our message to founders who are VC backed, particularly those who are seed and series A is start cutting costs, prepare a business for exit and make it as appealing for a potential buyer as possible. And there'll be lots of them. 
Okay. All right. That's, I mean, that's exciting for us, obviously, right? But uh, you, uh, you mentioned education, right, about, about exits. And uh, that's kind of what we also noticed, that it's, it's not enough of that out there. Uh, like sometimes founders are not really sharing the process that they went through. You know, buyers obviously want to withhold some information. Uh, but I have, uh, I think you're building a university or some kind of educational program to fight that. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so first and foremost, I, I think it's unfortunate that journalists all over the world have chosen to talk about billion dollar exits and unicorn exits and not ever given light of day to those business owners who have sold for five, 10, 50, 75 million, where the stories are more real, palatable and understandable to the average um, digital asset owner or technology founder. And so if we can get more stories out about those experiences, I think the whole ecosystem will be better prepared. So there's a couple of things that Flipper does today that I would encourage people to seek out. Sounds like um, an opportunity to, to brag about Flipper or sell Flipper, but we have the Exit podcast and that is only stories of people who have bought and sold sub $100 million businesses. And so you can learn a lot through that. You can learn a lot about the way a business owner prepares their business for exit. You can learn a lot about valuations and you can learn a lot about the negotiation, which is often the most important piece. And the negotiation is, is very much about putting the emotions aside of selling your business and thinking practically and in a pragmatic sense about what a buyer is actually looking to understand and ascertain about your business how it operates and whether it's going to be a good fit for them or their portfolio of businesses. So if we can get people to understand that you're actually needing to put yourself in the buyer's shoes and less so your own shoes for the purposes of an efficient negotiation, I think we'll be well-versed. And so the Exit Podcast helps people to understand that perspective. Um, the second thing that we do here at Flipper is give people a lot of data and valuation insight. And so what I encourage people to do is go and find an asset which you tend to be similar to yours on our platform and look at the benchmarks and comparison data. Because every business listed on Flipper is actually matched to a snapshot of their industry. And so from that, you can get a sense of pricing. You can also get a sense of performance. So what average order values are for e-commerce businesses, what the average MRR or churn rate is for a SaaS business and you can actually benchmark yourself. And so once you understand the benchmarks, you get a sense of how to price your business. And of course, most business owners think their business is worth far more than it really is. What they actually need to understand is that there are clear benchmarks around how buyers think about these businesses. And it's not as simple as saying SaaS businesses trade at a multiple of X. They are diverse and different. There's B2C SaaS, B2B SaaS, there's enterprise SaaS, small business SaaS, different industries, um, and, and people need to understand those benchmarks. So um, what we're about to do is to start to produce a, a bunch more content, call it database journalism around how these businesses trade um, and the insights into those businesses. And we think that business owners are better when they understand the metrics that a buyer is actually looking to ascertain um, and understand versus what they think is important to understand. And most people who run these businesses don't actually understand the intricacies of what a buyer is actually looking to assess. 
Yeah. All right. That makes sense. And uh, when you said that, uh, you know, it, it's easy to, you know, go to Flippa and see similar businesses and see the benchmarks and like do your do your homework basically about the assessment. And I mean, it's still it's still difficult, right? Because you you kind of get all the information out there, and it, it seems like you're kind of in the same pool, right? But but you're different. Um, but um, I also have heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you are leveraging a bit more of AI tools to do a bit better tailoring, better matching between the um, the sellers and the buyers, even if it means that, you know, uh, the deal is going to go on for a bit longer. But what you want to do is basically uh, find that match culturally and, you know, price wise and, and whatnot. So yeah, how are you doing it? And why did you decide that this is going to be something that that you want to pursue? Yeah, so I'm certainly no expert in AI, but we have people on our team who obviously are. And so logically, what we want to do is provide a really efficient pathway to meeting the right buyer for your business. And on the flip side, we want to provide buyers a really efficient pathway to accessing deal flow. And so in very simple terms, we're looking to understand clusters of customers. And then from those clusters, clusters um, assert and assume a relationship. And so what that actually ends up being is two graph neural networks, one that sits on the buy side and one that sits on the sell side. And so the graph neural network represents the clusters of those customers on each side of the marketplace and the proximity of each of those buyers to each other or business owners, businesses, assets to each other um, informs a relationship. And so then if Anna is looking at multiple businesses that you clearly like as a function of your um, intent, uh, we can then infer that I would like similar businesses. This is, of course, programmatic in nature. And then we can then recommend programmatically based on those graph neural networks, the assets which we think are going to be the best fit for you as a buyer. Incredibly, um, it's turned out to be very, very accurate um, and getting smarter by the day. And so we are running around 400,000 matches a week. And so that obviously takes into consideration all of the assets that are on the platform at any given time, as well as our private pool of assets. It also takes into consideration all of the buyers. And so we've got millions of buyers and we're adding around uh, 20,000 new buyers a month. And so as a function of that, we can run very, very quickly um, the matching experience for our customers and get them in front of deal flow fast. The flip side of that is that a seller gets to meet more buyers more efficiently. And so what we're trying to do is two things. We're obviously trying to find you the right buyer. We're also trying to get deals done quicker. And so we've seen deals done um, within weeks as a function of finding the buyer because that's the challenging piece here. Now, of course, that's not to say deals don't go through due diligence and all of the usual hard work of brokering in a deal and the usual M&A process doesn't have to play out. Of course it does. 
but rather than rely on a Rolodex or a CRM or some other mechanism to find the right buyer, that piece of the process that brokers and or M&A advisors are used to going through is almost redundant. Now, there's so many other parts of the process which are critically important, but the AI has driven deal speeds. They're now quicker. And that's that's been really, really helpful. And in fact, when you demo that to a seller, when you show them how many relevant buyers are interested in their asset, that's actually a critical piece of fodder, if you will, that a business owner is interested in understanding. This episode is sponsored by Rewardful.com. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay affiliates based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Building a successful affiliate program can be a little bit intimidating figuring out where to get started. That's where Rewardful has taken what they've observed from their most successful customers' affiliate programs and distilled that into an exclusive online course. The exciting part? Their affiliate marketing course is absolutely free. And by joining the waitlist today, you'll get early access to it as soon as it goes live. Join the waitlist at rewardful.com course, rewardful.com course, and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it seems like every every platform out there wants to eliminate the broker from from the equation. Uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, like my next question is about you know Flippa being moving uh, to a bit more of a like managed network, managed platform, right? Yeah. So um, you're doing this this two things basically to first find the sellers faster but then having somebody basically handhold the founders through the process to well you tell me to do what right because like it on from my perspective it, it makes sense obviously and we've talked to founders that sold to us with a broker without a broker through a marketplace and all of them would say yeah of course it makes sense to like have somebody professional go through the process because I want to focus on my company and my product and I don't have months to, you know, to do my due diligence and to, you know, to have all those calls. So what are you doing with, you know, pairing this to um, seemingly kind of different uh, things together, right? So what are you bringing uh, to the founders with that? Yeah, so I'd say it's synergy. The, the platform has to work in the interests of the business owner and the buyer as much as the advisor and broker does. And they have to complement each other. And so let's talk about what the platform does versus what the broker does. And to be clear, Flipper has brokers on staff and we're here to represent businesses valued up to $50 million. And we do that really well today. And so the platform is extraordinarily good at aspects of the traditional brokerage process that technology is better, is likely to be better at. And so we connect to 15 different data integrations. So we connect to QuickBooks Online, Xero, Stripe, PayPal, Shopify, BigCommerce, Amazon, Lazada, Shopee, etc. And as a function of that, 
We can pull down data straight from the platform. We can rationalize that data. We can compare it to the peer set, provide benchmarks and comparison. And that's all stuff that happens programmatically that is super efficient and puts in the hands of the seller the information that they can sign off on and present and puts in the hands of the buyer the information that they need to make an assessment as to whether the business is a good fit for their mandate. That happening programmatically cuts down on the process of getting your business ready for sale. And I don't mean fit for sale, I mean ready for sale. So fit for sale has to happen far before you think about the exit process, uh, but ready for sale. The next thing that the platform is going to do is, as we just alluded to, it's going to match and it's going to match at speed, very, very efficiently at scale. And again, that's something that's been a part of a traditional brokerage process. Um, and now you have the support of technology helping you through. Okay, so now let's, they're the two major things that the platform is going to assist with at that juncture of the deal flow or, or the deal life cycle. Now the broker's going to come in. And the broker is going to communicate with the best and most relevant buyers and assure, ensure that they understand the business that they're dealing with, validate their um, buying mandate, validate their, their funds and their capability to get a deal done, and ultimately negotiate, negotiate on behalf of the seller as to what deal is likely to get done and the types of deal structures. So is it going to be seller financed? Is it bank financed? Is there an earnout or stability payment? Is the price, the asking price actually negotiable? Or is it a hard and fast rule? Um, are there any operational details about the business that the broker knows inside and out that they can pass on to the buyer and give the buyer the assurance that this is the deal that is right for them? So that broker is still critical in the process. They also educate the seller as to the expectations of what buyers actually look for and setting those expectations and, um, you know, we might call it the psychology of a deal um, is really, really critical. Now, once all of that has happened and you've found your preferred buyer, the platform kicks in again. We have um, embedded and integrated letters of intent. We have embedded and integrated asset purchase and share purchase agreements uh, which you can use Dropbox sign to execute. Uh, and we have um, integrated escrow, trust account payments, um, crypto-related payment services. And so the platform then will come to the fore again. So it really is a meeting of minds, the platform and the advisor, in a managed marketplace context to ensure that the processes that technology can un to govern are governed and the processes that are best left to a broker are brokered. And so as a function of that, you know, it's a managed marketplace, which is really efficient. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, thank you. All right, so uh, let's get let's get to, to B2B SaaS, right? So what is what are the numbers, right? How many, if you have, you know, the, the numbers off the top of your head, uh, how many B2B SaaS businesses are being sold or maybe let's let's take 2023 were sold on flippa and um again if you have any data on that what is the biggest reason for for founders to sell if you you know uh talk to the founders after the sale 
Yeah, it would only be a handful of B2B SaaS businesses that were sold on Flipper in, in 2023. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a large number, but you know, regardless, I think that across the board, be it B2B SaaS or SaaS in general, or any other business model that can operate on Flipper, and just by the way, Flipper only does digital, um, you know, the motivations for the seller are, are typically the same. The motivations for the buyer are typically the same. Uh, and, you know, ultimately the things that come, that factor in as to whether you get a deal done, come down to financial and operational maturity. And so what founders will need to understand is that if their business is mature, typically three years of age or older and flat or growing, declining is a slightly different story. Um, and with good unit economics, there is absolutely a buyer for you. In fact, many. And what I would say right now for B2B SaaS founders, if you are a B2B SaaS founder and you were to use the flipper marketplace, you would find a very large pool of buyers gunning for your business, including probably your company, Anna. Um, so the, you know, there's an ecosystem of buyers waiting to be buying these SaaS businesses. And we need to tell more people about that. Right. Absolutely. Uh, that said, you know, a lot of uh, serial acquirers like SaaS Group, you know, or, you know, other uh, B2B SaaS buyers, strategic buyers as well, um, try to steer clear or at least, you know, try to have some kind of relationship with the seller before, you know, before they acquire them. Let it be on the marketplace even, right? Uh, but yeah, the relationship and kind of like having to to get to know each other because you're you're getting into a long-term relationship. It could be, you know, you know a remote relationship, uh, but still you're in for a long haul. So uh, for many buyers, it's critical to to get to know the founders or the founding founding team. Um, so how are you fighting that uh, with Flippa? If you know there is, I, th I think there's probably a few things. Um, one, your point is extraordinarily valid and so similar to raising exiting is quite similar to raising capital. Um, relationships matter. And the number of buyers that you can actually speak to and position and understand their frame of mind or their point of view is, is really critical to ultimately getting a deal done. So it's unlikely that the first buyer or multiple buyers that you meet are ultimately going to be the buyers that you do a deal with. And so those relationships are critical. The second point there is that the average business actually takes six months to sell, right? And I'm talking about you know, businesses which are greater than a million dollars in revenue. And so as a function of that, that process actually does happen on Flipper as well, as in the real world. And Zin, we're consistently updating the financial data as a function being connected to these integrations. We're consistently communicating those updates back to the buying cohort. And as a function of that, over time, typically, you know, three months up to six months in length, these buyers are getting to know these founders, these business owners, as well as how the business operates. And they're doing that through 
the usual means, Zoom calls, sometimes meeting in person, but they're also doing that um, for the purposes of seeing how the business will perform under the pressure of an exit process. And so one of the things that we always talk to business owners about is just because you're going through the exit process now is not a reason to stop running your business. It's weird when people are raising venture capital, they're foot to the ground, foot to the throttle, thinking about how they can consistently drive growth in the business to impress these VCs. Selling your business is absolutely no different. The business has to consistently perform over the sales process to ensure that a deal gets done. So I don't think that the, the, um, the relationship side is that different, but I think in 2024, where there is going to be lots of competitive pressure among buyers to be getting the right assets, let's assume the price is right. Well, there should be some competitive tension and in theory, um, deals should get done a little quicker as a function of how many deals there will be able to be get, how many deals you will be able to do and the number of um, buyers in the same mix for those deals, in the mix for those deals. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, so how to, um, you know, we've established what buyers should do uh, to maybe streamline the process a little bit. Uh, but what, what could sellers do? Because the marketplace is huge, right? There's so many uh, sellers out there. And uh, you're predicting an influx in, in 2024. So it's going to be uh, even more competitive. So how to stand out on a marketplace like Flippa? Is there any way? And do you see any trend uh, you know, of, of businesses that are being bought? Because uh, like, for example, for us, um, we see a lot more customers because we're in B2B space um, that are AI or that have added AI. And, you know, it's it's shining bright like our LED lights uh, behind us. You know, we're AI and everyone's like, woohoo. Yes, that's what I want to get into. So um, is it the same in Flippa? Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you have AI in your headline. Do you get more? Uh, buyers intent to to buy that business or you know is there any other way to like to stand out and like really streamline the process okay so let's talk about stand out how you stand out and then let's talk about the impact of AI and standing out um, so the best businesses stand out and so there's lots of less good businesses lots of crummy businesses in the world but the businesses that make it on a marketplace that get through validation verification ultimately have connected data sets and ultimately are appealing to buyers, uh, those businesses that operationally and financially um, have very predictable financials, strong standard operating procedures, and the underlying gross margins are strong, good quality unit economics in areas which frankly we would describe as boring, um, that's because they're predictable industries that will always be here that they are now servicing and servicing well, presumably. So those businesses stand out exceptionally well. And so um, businesses that serve small business owners, um, businesses that serve service traditional industries, um, service industries like cleaning, um, service industries um, like tradespeople, those types of 
B2B SaaS or SaaS businesses um, tend to stand out very quickly because buyers understand that they're less speculative in nature and they're more predictable. And so those businesses do naturally stand out. Clearly, um, there are ways and means from a marketing standpoint that you can make a business stand out and be more appealing. Um, number one, price it well. So pricing is a strategy. And instead of thinking that the right thing to do is to price extraordinarily high um, and scare buyers away, which is pretty natural, um, we encourage people to use the benchmarks and then price near the top of the benchmarks, but then be, be willing to work back from there. Um, you can also produce materials that show people how the business operates. And what we'll always do for you know the best businesses is, is produce a seller interview where you can get behind the scenes of a good quality business and understand how it works and operates. And I think those things help business owners stand out. So it's about telling the story, no different to capital raising actually. So now let's talk quickly about AI um, and the impact of AI. Interestingly enough, Flipper doesn't really do speculative. Flipper more does boring. And so most buyers who are interested in speculative investments um, aren't currently buying for today, they're investing for tomorrow. And most people on Flipper are interested in inorganic growth today and building out their business growth stories today. And so as a function of that, um, AI hasn't really gotten a big foothold yet in a Flipper marketplace context. It obviously is a shiny bright light flavor of the month as it relates to venture capital. And it obviously is very compelling in the context of our own use, use case, where we've coupled it with the core platform and made the core platform more efficient. Um, but as it relates to someone who is actively looking to buy right now, they're looking to buy something which has historically operated well. And if it's historically operated well, it's less likely that AI has an impact on that business yet. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would think that there there was maybe, at least in B two B SaaS, at least you know in in our little bubble, uh, some kind of um, some kind of influx in, in in buying those businesses just because you know they made such a fuss over over the year. You know we we've seen the stories. You know we made. I don't know. Six million dollars in in four months, right? We we got to uh, product market fit in in two weeks and blah blah blah. So uh, I mean, I would expect people get really really excited about it, but maybe like you said, it's a bit more speculative than. Yeah, so I think the difference is like let's say you're a seed stage investor and you've got a business which is rocket ship growth trajectory has been around for six months, has scaled from nothing to something very big in a very short period of time. You're talking about seed stage investing, right? Where you're buying into a founder's story, you're buying into the short-term traction, and you're hoping for very long-term gain. That's very different to a traditional M&A process that we see on Flipper, where you're actually looking to buy a sustainable, good quality, cash flow positive, or revenue generating, um, predictably performing online business. And so it's just, two different segments of the investing circle and there are certainly crossover events and so from time to time we will see those assets list 
and there will certainly be um, a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest. But as a use case, uh, the average business that sells on Flipper is four and a half years old. And so what we would encourage business owners to do is talk about AI as an opportunity. What are the areas of your business today where you believe you can get operational efficiency through the use of either um, proprietary AI, build your own machine, um, build your own machine learning uh, models or algorithms, um, or embed something that exists today. Uh, and we would encourage people to think about those as opportunities and even think about integrating those within the exit process so that you can actually share any traction. Uh, but ultimately, the business is still going to be get bought on its on its financial and operational performance, which is likely to be trailing twelve months, um, trailing twenty four months, and and that's the way we see the average buyer assess a business. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So just a couple more questions. And first, because you know, I started uh, learning a bit more about you, and um, we. I don't know if it's okay to announce it already. Uh, we will partner with Flippa for one of our events with SaaS Group. And you guys are pretty big with this stuff, like building a community. As far as I remember, there are almost 2 million people in, in, in Flippa community, whatever that means. And like, please tell me more about this. Uh, but why is this, um, you know, a growth trajectory that you've chosen? Why do you think people that sell their business need a community? And what are you doing apart from, you know, all the educational materials that, that you give to people and the events that, that you sponsor, that you uh, organize uh, to, to build it and grow it? I think there's a couple of uh, points here. So one, absolutely, we believe in community. Um, two, we believe in community because the entrepreneurs that operate around the world across different categories and different business models are actually all in it together. They're building the new small business economy. It just happens to be that the new small business economy is digital in nature. It's still relatively new. Then throwing the concept of exiting which 99.9% .9 of people have never had experience with, and you need to have a shared language. And so the flipper meetups and events that we do with, with, with SAS group and, and others relate to building a knowledge base and relate to having shared wisdom about this, what flipper calls the M&A for everyone concept um, or vision. So we want people to go into these experiences eyes wide open. Uh, we want buyers to be able to share their stories of how a deal gets done. And we want sellers to be able to share their stories of how exciting it is to go through that process, but also how time consuming it can be. And let's then better inform everyone and therefore ensure more deals get done. What we've found is that customers love and our community loves um, being a part of our community. And there's actually lots of communities that talk about growing, starting and growing, and there's very few communities that talk about exiting. And so we own that space and we're determined to provide a, a forum which is um, you know, safe and fun, and uh, but also extraordinarily educational. Great, uh, well, I hope, I hope we'll find more ways to collaborate with you guys because that's you know that's also that's something that we want to do because i agree with you 100 uh 
uh, exiting is so confusing. And, you know, there, it seems like there are, you know, three uh, ways you can go broker, you know, find your own um, new home for the company and uh, go with the marketplace. But within those three options, uh, yeah, you, you can still uh, learn so much and, and you have to uh, in that case. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's great what you're doing. So a couple more questions, the usual ones on the podcast. Uh, the first one is, of course, what has been so far the biggest win and the biggest failure over your five years with Flippa? Yeah, I think the biggest win for us is, is clearly the influence of it's funny because I just talked about our buyers aren't necessarily interested in it just yet on the Flipper platform, but um, how powerful the AI recommender slash matching engine has been for us, the speed at which we can bring buyers into a deal, what we call the deal room, um, has certainly been unparalleled, is unparalleled in the industry and has certainly been a, a mover for the Flipper business, but certainly a big help to both buyers and sellers in getting deals done too. So that's the biggest success for sure. I'd say the biggest failure, and it's a really interesting one, we heard from a lot of buyers that they wanted assistance post-acquisition in finding service providers. So SEO, design, web development, sales, marketing in general, admin, those types of things. And so we built a service marketplace on top of Flipper. And so we do 12 to 15,000 transactions a year. And the whole story around that was post-acquisition, here, here is a curated collection of the best service providers in the world to provide you know, five to 10 different um, core growth initiatives or activities. It didn't work. Um, a buyer would buy, but as a institutional investor acquiring for a portfolio or as a high net worth or individual buying for a side hustle or, or acquisition entrepreneurship opportunity. Um, they bought, they ran, but they didn't use our service marketplace. So that would be the biggest failure. And that was, I think now, maybe two and a half to three years ago. Interesting. All right. Cause that's something, you know, that is a bit how we operate at SaaS Group, right? When we buy the companies, the brands, uh, they stay independent, right? But at the same time, when they need resources, when they need additional people, we have the central team to, you know, make the influx of a person that would help, yeah. you know, with SEO and marketing. And I think the, the platform uh, in this case would make a lot of sense, but, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's just an acquired new you know, thing to get used to. I think that in the flipper context, it's quite interesting. So, you know, we're, we're acquiring slash registering 300,000 plus new buyers per year. But if you put that into context, there's only 12,000 odd transactions happening. And in many cases, they're repeat transactions. So the buyers who ultimately, there's a lot of people interested in moving into M&A slash acquisition entrepreneurship, um, but the buyers who actively pursue it and go through with it are actually quite experienced in nature. And so what we find is sellers are inexperienced and buyers are experienced. Yet our product assumed you were inexperienced 
And as a function of that, those buyers who probably know how to operate or have teams of operators at their disposal weren't interested in those services. So we got back to business and just kept on building out the marketplace for M&A. Um, but, you know, you got to go through these mistakes to learn. Right, right. It's a learning experience. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So uh, the last question is about hack, right? And uh, well, we're talking about M&A, we're talking about Flippa. So what would be your best hack to sell fast in 2024? Because like, obviously, no one wants to drag the deal for for the next 18 months. Uh, at a relevant rational valuation, again, maybe uh, uh, your advice on like how to get to the rational valuation as a founder. Uh, but um, yeah, what would be your hack to streamline the process and to get what you want, basically the dream exit that every founder deserves? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the best hack I can think of on the fly has got to relate to pricing. And so I would encourage people to be able to work backwards from what is the ideal price to an agreeable price. Price at the ideal and continue to discount until you get to your agreed price and use it as a um, tactic to drive buyer interest over the course of a campaign period. So let's say you want a $5 million, um, let's say $5 million enterprise value why don't we price at seven and a half million dollars? Think about a six to eight week selling period and then discount over that period of time. So as buyers can see that one, you're reasonable, two, you're willing to negotiate, but three, you still end up with the price you want. Okay, that's a good one. All right, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think it will be valuable to to at least think about for for a lot of founders so thank you blake so much for this conversation i think uh i think what you've shared has been great and like i said uh really excited about the way we can work with flippa a bit more with sauce group and yeah happy to see what you're up to in 2024 thank you so much anna yeah and absolutely pumped to be partnering with sas group can't wait for our events thanks very much thank you and take care that was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.